we bring you to the darker side of investigations. This is the Investigation Guru Podcast with Sean and Dana. This is the official podcast for Red Door Investigations. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Investigation Guru Podcast. This is the official podcast for Red Door Investigations. My name is Sean and I will be your host this evening. So I have a few announcements to uh, kind of get out of the way and uh, let you guys know about. Uh, if you follow us on social media at all, I-N-V-G-U-R-U-P-O-D, Pod on Twitter, then you are already pretty much aware of a couple of the changes that are coming to the podcast. Uh, this is the final episode of season one. Season one was pretty much us getting used to the microphone and getting our gear all tuned up, etc. Season two is coming very shortly. And with it will come a lot of polish and several new and exciting changes. We will have a new intro and outro, as well as new music and a wealth of new content ideas. We've purchased some new editing equipment, and I have become much more comfortable with the editing program, so our episodes should sound much better as well. Uh, Beginning in a couple of weeks, we will start season two of the podcast. Season two is really where things will become a lot more cohesive and defined. We're going to be focusing much more on the true crime content we are passionate about and less on the PI stuff. We feel that this will be a much more active direction and will allow us to branch off from our blog which is where we post pretty much a whole lot of the stuff geared more towards the private investigation genre. So if that type of content interests you, please head over to our blog at www.reddoorinvestigations.com news and get your fill there. Episode one of season two will discuss the shocking and horrible case of Chris Watts. He strangled his pregnant wife and then killed their two young daughters. He then buried them in an oil tank in a field that was serviced by the company he worked for. After Chris Watts, we will dive deep into the Lori Vallow case, the Maura Murray disappearance, the Jonestown massacre, Casey Anthony, and the Jody Arias case. As you can see, we have quite a bunch of new, uh, great new content coming up, so please don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, In the last episode, we discussed uh, five things that a private investigator is legally allowed to do. Uh, In this episode, we're going to flip the script and discuss five things that a private investigator can never do under any circumstances. Now, there's a whole lot of kind of gray area surrounding private investigators, many of whom take full advantage of this fact. But there are state and federal laws that are in place to protect the public. Uh, A lot of private investigators, we're kind of bound by a lot of the same constraints and and laws that members of the general public are. Uh, We kind of discussed, went into this a little bit last week. But private investigators really are not, uh, we, we don't have special powers. We're not members of law enforcement. Matter of fact, that's, that's actually one of the things we're going to talk about today is that uh, private investigators cannot kind of um, say that they are police officers or members of the FBI or anything like that because that would grant kind of us a whole lot of powers that the state does not recognize that we have. So that is, that is really a very, very bad thing for us to do. If you are a member of the general public and you see any of the behaviors on this list, make sure that you call the police because that is something that is very, very bad. Uh, This person is not someone that you want to do business with. Gators, again, kind of have that very morally loose, uh, very, um, how do I say, ethically challenged. And they are, they will do pretty much anything that that they know how to do in order to satisfy their clients and and make some money. But again, um, there, there are certain things that are very, very illegal and very, very unethical. And so we're going to talk about uh, talk about some of those things here today. If you're in the business and you do any of these things, and this is one of the ways that you service your clients, that you get money, give yourself a gut check. 
because you are in the business for the absolute wrong reasons. There is there is no excuse for any of these behaviors and for you to continue to practice unlicensed or you continue to violate uh, private property norms or, or things like that, then that is something that is giving the rest of us a bad name. Please stop. So without further ado, here are five things that a private investigator can never do under any circumstances whatsoever. Again, there's kind of a lot of legal gray area on a lot of these things, a lot of the, the laws are kind of vary from state to state. But the things on this list, these five things we're going to talk about tonight are pretty much illegal in all 50 states. There's not any one, not that I'm aware of anyway, there are no uh, jurisdictions or no states or no provinces in which any of the behaviors on this list are legal or allowed. Not to mention the fact that they are completely unethical. Anybody who kind of does these behaviors is really someone you just do not want to be associated with because not only can it uh, land the private investigator in jail, it can also land you in jail as well if you are an accomplice or you help in, in, in any way. Um, so again, just kind of keep these in the back of your mind. If, if, you know, if this is something that you think that you might have wanted to hire a private investigator to do for you, make sure that you really don't, you, you, you may not have been aware I guess a good way to put this, but the private investigator himself definitely should have known better. Anybody who ever, ever offers to do any of these things or anybody who ever says, you know, yes, this is something that I can do. That is a very good litmus test that this person is not on the up and up, that they are someone who is not to be hired and certainly not someone that you want representing you or representing your case in a court of law should it ever come to that. All right. Number one, a private investigator cannot enter your private property under any circumstances. Now, this is uh, rule number one for a very good reason. This one will get a private investigator in a world of trouble faster than pretty much almost anything else. Uh, private property laws are very, very strict in all 50 states. Your property is your property, and there is really no way to get around that. Um, any private investigator who offers to plant bugs or plant hidden cameras inside a person's house, that is something that is very, very illegal. And even if they were to have gotten something you know, of value that you think you might want to use in, in a divorce proceeding or something like that, the judge will throw it out and it won't be usable anyway. So again, just kind of keep in, in the back of your mind that anybody who ever offers to uh, trespass or enter any kind of private property to set up any kind of recording equipment, uh, that is very, very bad, very, very illegal, very, very unethical. And that is someone who uh, will get you and your case thrown out faster than anything else. Uh, again, we're, we're bound by kind of the same trespassing laws that everyone else is. We don't have any kind of special powers or special authority uh, to be able to trespass just because we have a license to be private investigators by our state. Not only can we not enter your house, but we also can't even step foot on your property or anything contained on that property. If you have a, a barn in the back of your yard or whatever, that is still considered your property. That is something that is completely off limits. We can't plant hidden cameras back there to watch through your open windows or anything like that. That is, again, that's very, very bad. Don't don't ask us to do it because we won't. No, no self-respecting private investigator who operates legally will want anything to do with that. Uh, kind of on the nature of this private property, all of these things, you know, this is your property and it, it's your secrets. What you do inside your own home is completely up to you short of things that, that violate other laws. But uh, as far as, you know, if you want to, you know, do anything that, you know, might be questionable, as long as it's not illegal, that is completely up to you. And you are free to do that within your rights. And there, there is nothing that the outside world should ever know about that. Uh, this is something that, you know, your your private property is, is yours. 
and there is no way for us to get any kind of information about that. Uh, so rest assured that that everything that happens inside your your house or your apartment is is completely off limits. And even if you know you had a kind of an ethically questionable private investigator who was willing to do any of those things, then that would the judge would certainly have things to say about that, and really would not uh, even allow that testimony or that evidence to be even thought about being admissible. Uh, there, there is one exception to this rule for private investigators who serve process, who basically deliver court documents, summons and things like that. If you've ever had anyone serve you process, you know, someone who knocks on your door and says, here, you've been served. Um, these are for you, et cetera. And, and there are court documents, you know, summons to appear or something like that. Uh, those people are allowed to come up and uh, be on your property in order to serve you process. Now, that doesn't mean that we can, you know, come into your house or anything like that, but it's not really considered trespassing for us to come onto your property and knock on your door and uh, be able to serve you that process. Uh, There's also, uh, if you have a no trespassing sign posted on your property, this this, this would even, you know, curtail uh, process service. Uh, We are not allowed to serve process on property that has a no trespassing sign posted. Um, No trespassing means just that, no trespassing whatsoever. Um, If someone, you know, if you have a no trespassing sign, then in some states and some jurisdictions, you are allowed to use deadly force if someone violates that. So again, you know, if, if it's something that there, 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 there is that sign that, that, that no trespassing sign, and if it's visible and the, uh, you can prove that, you know, the process server, the private investigator, or pretty much any member of the public sees that sign and violates that, that request, that is, that is trespassing. And that is, that is illegal. Uh, number two, a private investigator cannot access your medical, financial, or educational records. A private investigator has a wide, has an access to a wide array of information. However, there are certain things that are protected by the federal government and are therefore kind of out of reach. Now, we talked a little bit about last week about using information that is uh, within the public domain. Uh, these three things uh, are not in the public domain. These three things are completely off limits. And uh, I might have even touched on that on uh, last week's episode that, uh, you know, your medical records and your educational records and your financial records, those are all completely off limit. They are private. They are protected. Uh, there is no way for us to, um, you know, impersonate you to and call your bank or call your doctor and find out what kind of recent health check, you know, the results of your last physical or, you know, we can't access your bank accounts or bank records or anything like that and pretending to be you. We cannot impersonate someone else in order to get information about that person. We also can't impersonate uh, police officers or other members of law enforcement. Number three, we cannot misrepresent ourselves as a member of law enforcement. We just kind of talked about that. Unless, of course, we are. Now, there are a lot of private investigators that are actually police officers and they, they, you know, they do this as kind of a, a side gig and a lot of uh, a lot of times you know real live active police officers um, will will do private investigations on on the side you know nights and weekends or whatever on times that they are not that they are not are not active a lot of also retired police officers will take up private investigations because you know the the type of work that we do is very, very similar to to what a lot of police officers do, especially police detectives. We just do it in the public sector, and we don't we don't have a lot of the uh, civil authorities that that police officers do. We can't we can't arrest people, or we can't do do things like that. So uh, again, unless we are actually a member of law enforcement, we cannot we cannot say that we are. We can't use that as a means to get any kind of information, and we can't use that as a way to coerce or force someone to give us information. You know, if we're trying to find a, a law 
lost vehicle or a, a missing child or something like that. We can't we can't say that we are, you know, with the FBI or police or whatever like that to kind of intimidate or coerce someone to give us information that they might not otherwise give us. With the with very few exceptions, private investigators are we're bound by pretty much the same laws that that everyone else is. We have no no special rights or no special responsibilities. Um, we we are not able to do things that that you know everyone else is is able to do. Now there there are certain things that we do have uh, access to, um, certain databases and certain points of information that might not be available to the general public. But as far as as behaviors and as far as laws like trespassing laws or something like that, uh, we are we are just as as bound by those as, as everyone else. So uh, again, uh, stop, stop asking us to do it. We, uh, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. We're not going to uh, lie and say that we are members of, of police or any kind of law enforcement in order to, you know, get information or try and, you know, get data from online sources or anything like that. Number four, we cannot hack into someone's electronic devices. Even the FBI can't brute force your cell phone and get access without your authorization or even your help. Remember that big case kind of a while back ago where uh, Apple refused to unlock a phone for one of the shooters in Pensacola, Florida? Uh, it was kind of a big, big to do, a big news case that, you know, the FBI was was really wanting Apple to unlock this guy's cell phone so that they could, you know, see chat messages or, you know, see if he was a member of any kind of organization or anything like that. And uh, Apple refused to do it. So even, you know, e- even the FBI with their, you know, wealth of, of resources and things like that are are not able to do it. It's a very, very difficult, um, very, very, it takes a great deal of technical knowledge. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but uh, it's it's very, very difficult to do. Um, and the, the general public, the general population, even the, you know, the everyday run-of-the-mill private investigator, unless you are, you know, you have kind of this hacking background uh, and you have, you know, very specialized, very professional level you know, hacking gear or tools or whatever. Um, that's going to be something that that we are just not able to do. Um, you're, you're, you know, so rest assured they, they have designed these things uh, to be very, very uh, secure and very, very safe. Uh, so without your passcode, it's almost impossible to open these electronic devices. And, you know, with a lot of the newer security features, like if you enter the wrong password five times or whatever, then uh, it, it's going to completely erase the entire phone anyway. So uh, there's no way to really brute force and just kind of try, you know, every permutation and every combination of, of four digits or eight digits or nine digits or however many it's up to now. Um, it's it's a very, very difficult. It's a, kind of a needle in the haystack. So if, if we if we do not know the passcode to your phone or we don't know the passcode to your iPad, um, it, it's just all been impossible to to get inside that. There There's no way to really bypass and, and, and get around that. You know, hacking into phones and things like that, it's not only illegal, but it's 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 also just kind of one of those things that like like I was talking about earlier, it's it's very, very difficult to do. The the FBI and w- with all of their resources and things, they are not able to reach in and, and get your personal information off of your phone. Your phone is actually probably one of the more secure uh, electronic devices that you have. Your computer, it's a lot easier to get into uh, your computer than it is uh, your phone. So kind of keep that in the back of your mind. But, you know, don't don't be uh, 
Don't be lackadaisical. Don't, you know, make make sure that your your password is secure. Don't use something very obvious like your birthday or your spouse's birthday. Make it, uh, try and make it as, as randomized as uh, you possibly can. You know, one, two, three, four is, of course, a horrible passcode. Zero, 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 zero is, is another bad one. Your month and year or your month and day of your birth, that is, that is again, another very easily, very easily uh, found out or very easily discovered combination. So that is some of the few that people will try. So if it's uh, not one of those very easy, easily discovered or easily uh, found out sequences of numbers, then your phone is actually is, is actually pretty safe. Uh, make sure that you turn on that setting. I, I can't remember exactly where it is in the iPhone. I've, I've never had an Android, so I, I can't uh, I can't help you there. But uh, make sure that you turn on that setting where it, you know, you only get five or 10 chances. And if you mess up or you, you know, enter the wrong number five or 10 times in a row, then it will completely erase the phone and make it make it useless for anybody to uh, use. And number five, we cannot wire tap someone's phone. This again uh, is, is going to be kind of firmly in the camp of violating federal law. Uh, in some in some states, it is necessary to notify one party of the recording. So if you want to, you know, record a conversation, some states are one party states and some states are two party states. Uh, if you are in a two party state, then both people on the line must be notified that it is recorded and both people must consent. If you live in a one party state, then only one person on the line must be aware that you are recording and the other person can be completely unaware that, that these recordings are happening. You know, that's what got Mel Gibson in trouble. Any kind, you know, anytime you see, you know, any kind of recorded conversation, President Trump uh, got in trouble with the same thing. So uh, a lot of these things, you know, uh, if you live in a one party state, then only one only one member of the conversation needs to be aware and the they can record the other person without their knowledge or consent. But again, being able to wiretap and get in and hardwire into someone's you know phone line to listen into their conversations or or record their conversations. Uh, if they are not one of the two, one of the members of the party on the phone call itself, then that is, that violates federal law. There's nothing wrong with, uh, if you live in a one party state, there's nothing wrong with taping a conversation that you are a part of, that you are party to. But where you run into problems is if you start uh, hacking in and, and wiretapping people's phones to listen into conversations that you are not a part of. Once you start, if you are not a part of the conversation, then you have no business listening in and you have no business recording. That is, that is a violation of FCC laws, and that will land you in a nice, comfy federal penitentiary. Federal penitentiary. That's what it's called, right? Penitentiary, penitentiary, federal prison, whatever. So that was uh, five things that a private investigator cannot do under any circumstances whatsoever. Now, again, remember that the, the laws are going to vary from state to state. But to my knowledge, uh, the things we discussed here are pretty much illegal in, in all 50 states. Uh, I want to kind of, again, caution you that if a private investigator ever offers you any of the services that we discussed in this podcast, make sure that you run the other direction. Uh, that is not someone that you want to be associated with. That is not someone that you want to do business with. And that is certainly not someone you want presenting evidence for a court case that you have pending. This will not end well for, for you. And it could uh, very well land you both in prison. All right. So thank you very much for listening. This was the, again, the final episode of season one. Uh, big changes coming to the podcast in season two. Uh, we, you know, we're getting the new intro music, the new outro, uh, new music tracks coming in. Uh, we're going to, we've hired a professional voice actor to, to voice our intros and we're getting 
brand new music. Um, we've bought some new equipment. You might be able to tell a little bit of difference in the in the audio quality of this episode compared to the last one. So hopefully that is coming through. Um, I'm becoming much more knowledgeable in Adobe Audition, which is what we use to edit our uh, podcast. So hopefully, you know, you, you're going to be able to kind of see that we are trying to step up our game and we're trying to improve the quality of what we send you every week. Again, please keep in mind that we are we are still very new at this and uh, we are trying to kind of get our get our feet wet and get really kind of our identity fixed on where we want to focus. But we, we have pretty much decided that we're going to focus more on the true crime content uh, going forward and less really on the private investigation business type of these types of episodes that we've been having, you know, the past two or three episodes. So uh, if you're really more into true crime content than you are into really the private investigation stuff, then this is a very good direction that we are going for you. Uh, If you're more interested, you're more interested in the private investigation Please, again, also head over to our blog and we will continue to post information and articles that are more geared in that direction. Uh, This has been the Investigation Guru Podcast. My name is Sean and we are signing off. Have a nice day. Thank you very much. See you next time.